0: y'all could just give the worship team a hand clap praise for just leading us it says this in Revelation chapter 5 verses 1 as we continue on with John receiving his vision he says this he said then I saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides sealed with seven seals pause the one seated on the throne we all know is Yahweh. That's what chapter 4 was reminding us of, letting us know, hey, man, Yahweh is on the throne. And now He said the one was on, that who's on the throne, which is Yahweh, has a scroll in his hand. He said it's written inside the scroll on the, on the backside of the scroll. These writings, he said, then it's sealed. And back then a scroll would be rolled up and then they would tie a tie around it, a string around it to close it. And then they'd take a wax seal and they'd seal it on top so you can't be able to open it. But he said this scroll has seven seals. If we go move on further in chapter 6, starting in chapter 6 and going forth, we find out that these, this scroll, when, it's, when the seals are broken, they release judgment upon the earth. So as we look at the scroll, we look at this scroll to be something that symbolizes judgment. And seven seals, again, like Deuce talked about, seven to this culture is not about quantity but it's about quality. It's about experiencing something or you getting an understanding of something. So when it says seven, they really just want you to say, oh, okay, it's seven. But they really want you to see that seven, which is the seventh letter in the Hebrew alphabet, which is Zion, it means completed. Completed, done, finished, it also means rest. But here, he's talking about this is completed. It's, I see a scroll and there's seven seals, meaning that what's in here is done. So Nito, you you can't change it. You can't add to it. You can't take away from it. It's done. The scroll of judgment and it's going to happen. Whatever this scroll said is going to happen. So he said, I see the scroll in the hand of Yahweh and that seven seals which reminds us that there's a completed judgment that is to come. There's a great judgment and a perfect judgment that is to come. He said, then I also saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals. So he said, I see Yahweh on the throne. He has this scroll with seven seals on it. And then allowed in a great angel, meaning he had to be big. A lot of times in scripture when they talk about a great angel, it's not just great in how, he, how um, his wings are great and how his reflection of the glory that reflects up. No, it talks about his size. He said, I see a great angel. If y'all can remember the Old Testament, one time the prophet was walking through the land and a great angel had one foot on one side of the earth and one foot in the ocean. A great angel, he said. He said, I saw a great mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals. And I love that they make it clear Loud. Because a lot of times when we think about God and we think about his ways, for some reason we think everything should be quiet and preserved and hush and this and where is this? No. Proclamation was spoken loudly and faithfully and boldly. He said, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? He said, but no one in heaven or in, or in earth or under the heaven was able, or under the earth, I'm sorry, was able to open the scroll or even to look into it. So everybody in heaven, elders there, cherubim, seraphim's there, angels there, John is there. And they're sitting there, and Yahweh is there on the throne, and Yahweh has this scroll. And then the great angels say, who is worthy to open the scroll that's in the hands of Yahweh? The scroll of judgment, who is worthy? Meaning who is, uh, who is deserving to open up this scroll? And he said, nobody in earth, heaven, or under the earth was worthy. Said nobody—not your favorite pastor, not your dope theologian, not your favorite worship leader, not your mother, not your father—nobody on the earth was worthy to open up the scroll of judgment. Why? Yeshua made it clear when he dealt with the with the woman found and caught in adultery, and wasn't just a woman, but the guy. He said. He who have not sinned cast the first stone. So he said, How can you judge? Only person that can judge her is someone who's never done anything that was sinful. So in order to be able to bring any judgment, especially on the scale of judgment that is to come to this world, has to be someone who is blameless, sinless, and holy. He said, Nobody is that. He said, in the earth, in the heavens? Nowhere, nobody can open that. The angels that sometimes we glorify, nobody can open this this seal. And he said, Then, which to me, to you, you might be, you might get afraid. You might say, Oh man, God, this is sad. To me, I'm excited. Because what this means to me is that if nobody is worthy, none of God's creation but who we're about to talk about, Jesus Christ is worthy, then that means my expectation, What I expect of myself is not what I think it is, that I can find the rest in it. That when I think that I have to do something to obtain something from God, because some reason I think I'm worthy enough to do the right thing on the right day, to go to heaven and spend forever with God, this reminds me that I'm not. So I'm like, whew, praise God, because I never meet it. So there's a rest in there if you pay attention to it. There's a rest to know that no man, no mortal, none of us is able to do what God desires for us to do because of our sin nature. So that's bring rest to let us know then who can do it because I ain't got to do it. It's like when the garbage used to get filled up and my daddy said, take out the garbage. And I used to hesitate in the room and let somebody else grab the bag because I knew it was heavy. Then they grab it and I come out late and be like, oh, okay, cool. I ain't got to, you already got it. I ain't got to do it. Praise God. And I go back to my room. We can approach this and say, okay, so I don't have to be worthy enough to to be exalted on this level, to to, to judge all of creation. I don't have to be worthy enough to redeem it. I don't have to fit this certain expectation. I can rest in the fact that somebody else has to do it. There's a rest in this. He said, nobody is worthy. To some of you who are like me, who compare yourself to other people, You look at other people like, man, they always do that, but I always fall short. Man, they do that, but I always... To you who are always comparing yourself to other believers, the one you're comparing to is just just as unworthy as you are. There's nobody on this earth other than Jesus who walked the earth and left and will come back who's worthy, who's perfect, who's beautiful that we can look at and compare to. That brings a rest that means then, praise God, this is not my duty or my job. He said, nobody, he said, no one was worthy to open the seals. And then he says, this, then John, John the Revelator wept and he wept. They said he wept and wept. That meaning he just didn't shed a tip, but he's weeping like, oh my God, so nobody's worthy. He's weeping, he said, and he wept and wept. But whenever they do something twice or do some, or they mention something three times, letting you know that it gets greater and it gets greater, so he wept and he wept with tears and probably with his stomach getting tight, just like, who is worthy? And he probably was weeping because of the, his reminder of the universal brokenness that he's included in. None of us is worthy. I'm not worthy. They're not worthy. You tell me these angels. Some of us worship aren't worthy. Then who is worthy? He began to weep, probably even weep with shame. I know. I I know I'm not worthy. Oh my God! Like nobody's worthy. He said. But then one of the elders, one of the twenty-four elders, told him. He said, "Wait." He said, "Wait." He said, Do not weep. He said, Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he is able, so that he is able, so that he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. So the angel says, Nobody worthy. John weeps, he mourns, he laments. How much do we lament of our brokenness? How much do you wake up and we see our brokenness and we lament and we cry and we mourn about the brokenness of the world? Not just when, when our, our relatives are, are dying with a disease. Not just when, when our relatives are going through a hard time or when we're going through a hard time. How much do we just weep over the brokenness of the earth that just dishonors God, Period. John is weeping. His posture is that of of humility and mourning and grief and lament because he said, I see the universal brokenness of us all. And none of us is worthy. But then the elder steps in and says, don't weep no more. Wipe your eyes. He said, behold, look, take your eyes off of you. Look at him. Look, behold, there's a lion. Of the tribe of Judah. He's the root of David. And he has conquered so that he can open the seal. Another place of rest. Another reason to worship. He said, He, the lion, and we already know already know who he's talking about. He said, He, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And the lion was a symbol, was Judah's was, was symbol on their flag was a lion. And even if you go back to the times of when Jacob was blessing Judah, when he was blessing Judah, when Jacob was in his last days, he was dying in Africa, he was dying in, jo- in, in, in Goshen in Africa, and he had all his family around, all his sons around, Levi, all his brothers. He told Judah, he said, Judah, you're going to, he said, Judah, you're a lion's cub club right now. You're a, you're a baby lion right now. He said, when you, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, but when you raise up, who's going to be able to stand against you? And then right here, we're not talking about a cub. We're talking about a full-grown lion of the tribe of Judah, who's the root of David. He's the very foundation of the the Davidic uh, uh, kingly uh, lineage. Not only is he the the foundation of it, but he is the very thing that maintains it. For all the other kings before David and after David have passed away, but he is the only king that when he takes the throne, he don't ever have to leave it. He said, you are the root of David. He said, that's the root of David. That's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He has conquered. Hallelujah. He was not conquered, but he has conquered so that he can come. And take this scroll and break the seals and look into it. Rest. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lion. Yes. Deserving is the lion. Yes. Because he is the only one who's worthy and deserving enough for God to hand to him. This great task and position position of judgment. And right here we see Christ being exalted. Because at first remember they had their eyes in chapter 4 on Yahweh. They were worshiping Yahweh. They fell down. They was worshiping Yahweh. But then now we're going to see that shift from them worshiping Yahweh to worshiping the lion and the lamb. He is conquered. How did he conquer what did he conquer? He conquered sin. He conquered death. He conquered evilness. He conquered darkness. He conquered anything that was going to keep you away from Yahweh. Again, Yahweh preserves the people who will preserve of worship for Him who is the deserving one. He conquered. He conquered through living a sinless life. He conquered through enduring the cross. He conquered through rising from the grave. He conquered. He overcame it all. He took the power of of the keys uh, out of of Satan's hand, took the power out of Satan's hand, and he resurrected. And now we've seen him being exalted in the throne room of God. He's a conquering lion. But most importantly, it's not just about him being a lion. It's about him being a sinless, conquering lion. Because you can only conquer it if you're sinless. What needs to be conquered can be conquered by man. That's why we're not worthy. I couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. It took somebody who is sinless and blameless to do it. He was a sinless, conquering lion. But not only that, he said he's the root of David. Not only was he the root of David, But he was also the king above all kings and the Lord above all lords. But this is what gets me. The angel said, behold the lamb. Behold the lion. But then John says, I see a lamb. He said, behold the lion. Again, Revelation is about symbols, about numbers, about experiences is about symbols numbers and experiences for us to understand and relate so you're seeing them describe the duality of Jesus he's a conquering lion who's fierce who's the beast of all beasts you stand in a room with a lion I'm not talking about the Idris Elbow movie. I'm talking about when you actually stand in the midst of a lion. Imagine standing in the presence of a lion. If a lion stops on the stage, I promise you. I don't care about being a looking macho or anything. I'm going on my knees. I'm crying. I'm balling up. I'm hollering for my mama or somebody. And if y'all leave me, amen. But the presence of a lion... A lion doesn't have to say much, he just shows up, and people tremble. You ever been to the zoo and he just walked past the, the window at you? It's his. it's his presence. Think about the life of Jesus. When in ways will obey him like you obey a lion in the midst of the jungle. Demons will come across Yeshua in just His presence. He didn't have to rebuke Him; He just walked on the scene, and demons will run and fall down and kneel to Him. He's a conquering lion, but He's also this lamb, this humble lamb that sacrificed Himself. Think about a lamb. A lamb is very fragile. It just follows whatever. It's just very fragile, very humble. You'll probably protect the lamb if you see him. He said, I see a lamb, though. I see, I see a lamb. He's, he looks humble. And he said, he has scars as if he's been slain. He said, I see him, but I see scars as if he's been slain. There's marks on him. This is, this is, this is a great picture of Jesus Christ and what he went through for our sins. But not only that, it was so beautiful, he wasn't a lamb laying down. He said, I saw the lamb standing, standing in victory. Yes, he looked slain, but he wasn't slain. He said he looked slain, but he was standing victoriously in the midst of God's throne, in the midst of the elders, and in the midst of the cherubim and the servants and the angels. Here it is, this, this Jesus the symbol of Jesus, a lion and a lamb that, that has scars to where the scars was on the lion, but he probably looked at it like, yeah, that's the scars of him overcoming something. But John said, I see the scars of someone who was subdued by something for the sake of becoming something for everyone. He said, I see a lamb. He a lamb, and he's, yes, he looks as if he was slain. And I saw one like a slaughtered lamb standing in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders. And he had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God into all the earth. Again, here we go with the numbers. Zion, Zion, Hebrew uh, alphabet word of the alphabet. Zion It's a seven letter in the alphabet. Hebrew alphabet. That means complete, perfect. Or all. So he said, I see, ho- I see seven horns. Horns represent power. So that means I see that he's all-powerful. He said, and I see seven eyes, which means that he sees all things. So seven means completely. So it means that he's all-seeing. So he said, I see omniscience of God, and I see the omnipotent of God. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He said, which are the seven spirits of God? Again, he's not talking about seven different spirits, though there are two different interpretations of it. Some think it points to the seven manifold uh, ministry of the Holy Spirit that's mentioned in Isaiah chapter 11. The spirit of wisdom, knowledge, fear of the Lord, et cetera, et cetera. And then others that believe not is just saying that, man, the Spirit is perfect in all of his ways, that is all seeing, is all knowing, it is everything, it is perfect. And the Spirit went out into the world, which Jesus sent out to us. So he said, this is what I see, this lamb, I see seven horns, he's he's all, see this lamb, and he looked like he's slain, but he he looks all-powerful, though, and he looks all, he's all-knowing, and I know that he is, man, he's the spirit that dwells in him, is perfect, it's a perfect, powerful spirit. He said he went, and he took the scroll out of the right hand of the one seated on the throne. Again, you're seeing the introduction, the induction of Jesus Christ becoming judge, he took it out of his right hand. Right hand almost always was used when it was talking about when someone was passing something on to someone or blessing someone. That's why we shake with the right hand. Fellas, we know we hate it when the guy tried to do left. We're like, nah, player. Give me that right. I don't care if it's broken now, I'm just gonna hold it. But there's something about the right hand. The right hand is a sign of honor. It's a, sign of, it's a sign of honor. It's a sign of, of passing out. So he said he took it out of the right hand, meaning there is a shift. Yahweh has been the one on the throne as judge all this time with Israel and his people, and then now he gives it over to Jesus Christ. We see the shifting of kingship. Yahweh was the king on the throne. Now he gives it over to his son Yeshua to be king of all kings. He said he took it out of his hand. He said when he took the scroll the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb Each one had a harp and a golden bowls and golden bowls filled with incense which are the prayers of the saints Our God is worthy Our Lord is deserving why not just cuz he's a conquering lion not just cuz he's the root of david not just because he's a blameless lamb standing in victory but he is a righteous judge. And if you have been mourning, like I've been mourning every day of my life since I've been a believer, saying, God, come, because I'm tired of dealing with what's in my body and outside of me, and I'm tired of seeing what's taking place with people and, and communities in this world, if you've been lamenting like me and you've been seeing all the mass shootings and all the, all the, 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 the hurt and pain and, and, and murder and everything happening in the world, did you keep saying, come quickly, Lord, when you're gonna judge, to know that my king step up to be the judge of all, I find rest again. Because I know they're not going to get, I know it's not going to get passing. I know justice is going to be served at some point in time. is worthy because he's the righteous judge. He has power over the Satan who keeps talking to me and telling me I'm not worthy to follow Jesus. Think about it, Romans 8. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're a believer of Jesus Christ, you are a son of God and you are a brother to Jesus Christ. So if Jesus Christ is the judge and somebody takes you into the courtroom, the accuser takes you to the courtroom of your judge. And I don't know how many of y'all have been to court. I've been to court quite a few times, not just for bad, like tickets, whatever, lapsing of insurance, you know, and some wild stuff I did too as well. When you got a lawyer, you got a good lawyer because the lawyer knows the judge. He be like, "I know the judge. We are going to play golf. Lucius, you okay?" I say, "Am I okay, or am I going to jail tomorrow?" He said, "No, I play golf with the judge. You okay?" Praise God. So I'm sitting there like, "We good," because my prosecutor knows the judge. So no matter what they try to bring against me, my prosecutor got a certain favor with the judge. So the very judge gonna be like, "Are you sure he okay? He ain't really that dude." He'm like, no, nah, he ain't really that dude. She made a mistake, but da-da-da. cool." Think about Romans 8, where it said, who can bring a charge against God elect? When the very one you're bringing it to is the very one who died for him. So if this judge, who is our judge, who is our savior, who is our Lord, who is our king, is in this courtroom called the throne room, and he's getting inducted as judge, then we can rest. Because though we may fall short, though you might say something tomorrow that your wife don't like, you, even if you say something tomorrow that your husband like, or you may cuss or wild out or, or do something unloving, if you repent, you know that the judge, though the accuser may go to the, to the judge and say, look at him or her. Look at him. Look at her. They don't love you. Look how they fall. The judge will say, who is your king? Will say, they okay. I die for that. Romans 8 is such a beautiful scripture. He's worthy because he's our judge. He's worthy because he's all powerful. Nobody could stop him. He's worthy because he's all knowing. He knows everything. He knows every issue you're going through. You're not alone. He knows it. He became like you, so he knows the wrestle you deal with in the flesh. Not only that, he has a perfect Holy Spirit that rests and dwells with him that now dwells in us. The perfect Holy Spirit. But he's also worthy because he is the good news. Jesus Christ is the gospel. The gospel is about the good news of Jesus Christ. It says this in verse 7. He went and took the scroll out of the right hand of the one seated on the throne, Yahweh. And when he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb in worship. Each one had a harp for worship. We use guitars. Thank you, uh, Wes. Amen. They had a harp. And golden bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Pause. Some of y'all sitting right now and say, man, I've been praying for something and I don't feel like God been hearing me. Do God really hears my prayers? I mean, I pray all the time. I even fasted. I really, really, I don't feel like God hears my prayers. But here it says in the throne, the 24 elders had a harp and they all had bowls. And the bowls were the prayer of the saints in the presence of God. So again another time to worship and be at a place to rest because we know that okay it wasn't because you didn't hear me it was because you just didn't feel it was good for me. Worthy is the lamb that he does that in the presence of God's throne because of him our prayers get answered our prayers are met are brought to the throne of God. So be encouraged it's not because you didn't pray right. It wasn't because you did something sinful why you didn't get it. Sometimes it's just because it's just, he just, it wasn't for you to have it. It wasn't in his plans. But we see here that our prayers are in the throne of God. He said, which are the prayers of the saints? If you're a believer, he hears your prayers. A lot of us are here because people before us prayed for us. No matter how tough or hard or what you did or how little or small, like somebody prayed for you and God heard it. And here in the throne, he said, it's the it's the harps for worship. And he said, Man, they have bowls filled with incense. And then they go into this is why he's the good news, which are the prayers of the saints, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll, or you are deserving. So the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. This is the second time we heard about people falling down in here, in the throne of God, in chapter 5. We heard in chapter 4. He said they fell down. Worship and they said you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you purchased people for God by your blood. And from every tribe, every tongue, every language, every people, every nation, you made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign on the earth. Talk about us. He said, You are worthy, you're deserving. Of my worship, you deserving of me to be in awe of you because you were slaughtered and by your blood, you ransomed, you brought back, you redeemed a people for God. And these people, you made your kingdom and your priest. Those people are us. That's why he said the kingdom is here. And it's coming near. He said, You ransom and purchase a people for us. Ephesians 1, chapter 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He said, in him we have redemption in Jesus. Ephesians 2 said, so then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called uncircumcision by those called the circumcision, which is done in the flesh by human hands. He said, at that time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel. And foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, who were far away, have now been brought near by the blood of Christ. He said, you are far away, he has brought you, caught, brought you near by the blood of Jesus. He said, for he is our peace, who made both groups one and, and tore down the dividing wall of hostility, talking about this, between Jew and Gentile. And in this, in his flesh, he made of no effect the law consistent of commands and expressing regulations. Here you go. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God. In one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came to proclaim the good news of peace to you who were far away, peace to those who were near. He's worthy because he is the good news. He was slaughtered, and his blood ransomed you, bought you back from the hands of the enemy. He redeemed you. And if you're not a believer, you are not redeemed. He did the act, but you have to access it by your faith and repentance. But he said, he has redeemed us by his blood. This frees frees us up from trying to apprehend something that we already have apprehended through Jesus Christ, which is redemption. And what's sad about it, I feel like we look at redemption And we look at these things like, I heard it before. I've heard it before. What's new? I'll be redeemed. What's new? Yeah, I know I've been reconciled. What's new? That's enough. Not only that he made you a kingdom, we are kingdom. We are priests, people who go before God on behalf of people and go to people on behalf of God. He's saying we will reign on the earth and the completion and consumption of everything. We will reign on the earth. Right now, you're looking at the enemy, you're looking at the world, and you're like they're running everything. We're losing, but He say no, no, no. You will reign on the earth with Jesus. You will reign. Just give it time because he's a conquering lion. He had to redeem us because through our disobedience, it brought sin in the world. And when we were called to reflect his image, we deflect his image. He had to redeem and reconcile and restore because when we was called to represent his, his kingdom, we forfeited to be accepted in the worldly kingdom. He had to redeem us and renew us and restore us because though we had right relationships with him and with, with one another, we forfeited that to have a, a lustful encounter with things of this life instead of meaningful, lasting covenant with God and with people. But Jesus Christ came, and he restored, and he renewed, and he reconciled, and he ransomed us back. The scary part about it is that that story, the gospel story, that we were once so far off, and now through Jesus Christ, we're reconciled back to God, and he said he ransomed people for God, that that is now common to us. We don't get excited. We're looking for a new song. We got enough redemption song. We got enough, I want something new. Give me something, give me something new. Mind if I give me something that encourages me about, yeah, I can have a better something. Just give me something different. When here Jesus Christ restored and renewed and reconciled and redeemed everything back to himself. And last but not least, he is worthy to be worshipped. He's worthy. He's worthy to be worshipped. He said, then I looked. He said, you made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth. He said, then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne and also of the living creatures and of the elders. Their number was countless, thousands. Some would say myriads as my, myriads, meaning 10,000 or 10,000. we was just really saying that, man, these angels was innumerable. He said, all these innumerable angels, it was just so many of them, thousands on top of thousands, said with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power, riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. He said, I heard every creature in heaven, every creature on earth, every creature under the earth, on the sea and everything in the sea. Say blessings and honor and glory and power be to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. This worship, God has preserved for Himself. He said, Every creature in the earth, on top of the earth, under the earth, in the sea, meaning that where there were fishes, where there were birds, where there were angels, where there were people, where there were crickets, whoever. He said they all they all said blessings and honor and glory and power and majesty to the holy one who sits on the throne and to the lamb Jesus Christ and they proclaimed it loudly Come on, And we approach it silently Are you preserving the worship for God? Are we preserving the worship for God? I've been around enough cultures to know that in every culture, everybody knows how to get loud at some point in time. <laughs> Black folks might do a little extra, you know, we like you know, we do a little extra. That's just who we are. But in every culture, we know how to get loud. But when it comes to the house of God, we're silent and we blame it on it. This is not how I worship. This is not how I express myself. But then you go to the house on game day. Go, Brent. Come on, man. I got so many, <laughs> so many, uh, I won't say encouragements, but um, from last week, they was like, they was like people didn't know what to do when you hit that stage. Last week, I started hitting on the stage. It was like, man, some people got scared. <laughs> and I was like, I got scared too. I didn't expect to do that. Amen. <laughs> but I'll be honest. It was something as I would listen to God's word and being reminded of the same thing we hear all the time. Redemption. Reconciliation. His holiness. My God is worthy. Something popped in me. I didn't know what to do with my hands. Something popped. I'm like... I ain't seen none of y'all. It was like I see him, and he's holy. And your words, somebody got to know who you are. Amen. But they don't look too different when I see in scripture. David danced out his clothes. I didn't do that. Amen. <laughs> Yahweh preserve the people who are going to preserve a worship for Him. Are we preserving our energy, our worship for Him? Sing more louder in the shower, the latest whatever song than we do in worship. I know I do. My wife be like, please shut up. Being that my like, din, din, din. I'll be dancing, everything. <laughs> but you're preserving it for something. Are you preserving your worship for him? In here, countless of time, they said they fell down on their face. They fell down on their face. They proclaimed loudly. He wept bitterly. They did loud, it was loud. Remember my old Baptist services? Even hallelujah, hallelujah, you hear everything. But it was people. I, didn't, I was like, yes, praise God, praise him. What culture have we created where we're so silent and everybody in the Bible is not? Who are we watching? Are we really being altered by gospel and how they do it? Or CCM or how they worship? Like. Who's influencing us? Because when I look in here, people fell on their face. The legion demons, when they saw Jesus, the royal proscunio, which is for worship, was a word that comes up when they said the legion saw him from a distance and they ran up and they fell. The man that had a legion in them worshipped God on his face. The woman who reminds me so much of terror the woman with the, with the alabaster box, because Tara's servitude, so she was just, she was on her, they talking to him, she just putting oil on his feet, she wiping his feet with it, she's pretty much kissing his feet. Worship. Throughout scripture. Everybody encountered God. man, Isaiah said, I saw in the day of the death of King Uzziah, he saw, I saw the saw Yahweh high and lifted up. I saw his holiness, and I said, Woe is me, I'm a man with unclean lips. Moses, he come out of the burning bush, he saw the burning bush. Yahweh speaks to him. and say he was afraid, so he hid. The Israelites was at the Mount Sinai and they heard the rumbling thunder and they saw the smoke. They said, heck no, we ain't going up there. We stand right here. You can go. Everybody that encountered the real mighty God didn't stand in front of them. But they bowed, proskuneo, in worship. And in here they said at the end, every single body. Every elder, every angel, every servant, every cherubim, every creature, everything, any, all of creation will bow down and worship Jesus the Christ. Because they had a worship preserved for him specifically. I used to sing R&B. There's a voice I sing with R&B and there's a voice I lead worship with. You can ask my wife. Holy, she like sometimes I like that the R and B voice. So praise God, it's just for you, baby. You know. like, see now I can't, I can't see an R and B voice for Jesus now, baby. You can't. I got something preserve for him. <laughs> but do we have a worship just preserved for him, who is worthy? Yahweh preserve you to preserve a worship for him, for he is the deserving one. Is he deserving? He has to do another thing to excite you about him? You made it through the pandemic. Hallelujah. You're still alive, though they diagnosed you some time ago about you having a cancer or something. You're still here. Hallelujah. But even if he didn't do that, he redeemed you to be a people for Yahweh. And he said, and all four living creatures said, when they said that this lamb is on the throne forever, they all said, amen. amen. And all the elders fell down and worshiped. Revive your worship. Revive your worship. I don't act like this because I'm some, like i be like because I'm some ghetto hood dude. That's why I'm always in the front. I ain't got nothing to do with it has nothing to do with it. Thank you, Joy. <laughs> Joy's just enjoying it. It's because I'm, you snorting the everything. That's that good laugh, amen. Do you got a worship reserve? No, I'm just kidding, you do, hey, amen, I saw it. But really, at the end of the day, we don't look at books like Revelation, to just be in awe of just what is to come or things is to come. We, we, we look at books like Revelation to be in awe of God. Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, took care of it all. And now you can rest. You don't have to live in condemnation. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in toxic shame. God is not asking you to be perfect. He's calling you to be holy and live set aside unto Him, but He's not calling you to be perfect. Christ took care of it all. The good news is that you don't have to do anything, it's free. Just come and receive it. Just as you are. With all your doubt about God, come to Him. Don't go to social media about your doubts, because they're going to give you an answer, you your flesh want to hear. Come to men and women of God who say, I can show you what the word says. Come to God with all your doubts, with all your fears. Come come to God with all your anger. Some of us is angry. God, I don't understand. He's like, we talk about Israel. Let me say this on the cloud. Israel just don't mean struggle, meaning that from a disobedient place. It means from a place of that. In the relationship with God, he's a type of God that allows you to struggle or to talk or to dialogue or to struggle with the things of life with him. It's more of showing your experience with God that he's a father. Look at the Israelites. They would say this, and they would just dialogue. It don't mean just disobedience. It means that, man, God allows us to have a place where we can struggle with him. God, I don't understand why you took my grandma. I love this so much. God, I don't understand why you took my mother. I love this. So God, I don't understand why you left me alone. I don't understand. He says, just keep talking. God, I'm not feeling you right now. That's okay. That's why I've, I redeemed you because I want us to have this dialogue. Jesus died for that. That's why he's worthy. Because everything you have is because of him. Everything, your children, everything. Yahweh preserved the people who preserve worship for Him who is the deserving one. And then you go to Revelations twenty twenty one. John said, after all the judgments. After him doing, bringing all the judgment on the land, on the earth, on the kings, on everybody. He said, after it was all said and done, I saw a new heaven. Hallelujah. He said, I saw a new earth. I saw a holy city coming down like a bride adorned for a husband. He said, and in that new city, I can dwell with God without all my fears and pains and shame. And he would be my God and I would be his son. And I don't have to cry no more. And I don't have to be sick no more. And I don't have to feel lonely no more. He is with me. This hope we have, I pray it brings you a rest to worship freely. Because if there wasn't no judge... If Jesus Christ, the righteous one, wasn't, isn't a judge, then everything that you hate, everything that wants to rip you apart, would not be defeated. And the justice you've been crying out for will not happen. We praise Yeshua, the judge, because he's worthy. Reserve your worship for him. And if every time you come in Sunday, Or in the service and you feel like you have no reason to clap or to say hallelujah or to even stretch your hands because you'll do it if the police officer ran on you. If you can't stretch your hands. (laughs) Amen. We would. That's what I'm saying. We do it. Then you should ask yourself, where's my reserve of preserved worship? And I know I'm always the one to carry the weighty stuff like do say. I always get the weighty stuff that brings judgment. I don't mind. I don't care. Because I'd rather be in heaven saying, God, I told them. I did. They ain't like me. They don't even like to hear me preach all the time. I told them. All right. Let me get on this flow because you took me up, Jesus. But you have to look at that. At Blueprint Church, you say the call to membership is a call to discipleship. This is me discipling you. If we was one-on-one, I'd say Sir, if you don't have no unction to raise your hand for the Lord, that's a problem. Find out what's going on in your heart and your mind. That had nothing to do with your style. That's something to do with the Holy Spirit ain't overwhelming in you where you can't control yourself. And I'm not saying when you jump and flip on the stage, I'm not saying that. I'm saying to where you can't hold back a hallelujah. You can't hold back a my God. You can't hold back that swell, whatever it is for you. <laughs> he did say every tribe, every tongue, so swell is not there. <laughs> but think, I mean, if I die today, I want to make sure that I told people the truth. Amen. That if you don't have a reserved worship, there's a problem with your heart posture. If everybody moves like that off of seeing God and you don't, That don't mean because you're different. That mean you're just not, there's a heart issue going on with you. And the enemy is binding you. And there's a warfare taking place in your life and you think you're okay. The enemy wants to steal your worship. He's been trying to do it since day one. He put that man and that girl in your life to lead you away from God. I think I could save them. No, you can't. The enemy don't want you to have worship for him. You come up, Evan. I need you to come up, please. So as we prepare to sing this last song, I'm not trying to hope, I'm not trying to bully you to worship God. I'm trying to remind you that he's a God worthy to be worshiped freely and authentically.